From KUOW in Seattle, you're listening to How's Your Day, telling you a story you don't know from a day we all remember. Today's date is April 4th, 1968. Use of nuclear weapons or the mere commitment of 100 or 200 or 300,000 more American troops to the battle. I shall not seek, peace, love, and I will not accept peace, love, peace, the nomination of my party for another term as your president. And say, if you allow me to live just a few years in the second half of the 20th century, I will be happy. I was 33. The director of flight operations, he reached down into the ranks and plucked me out and said, you're going to be a flight director. So I was really excited. And by the way, at at 33, I was one of the older guys in the control center. I think our average age during Gemini was something like 27. I had two kids, small kids, and uh, they grew up with the astronaut kids and the other guys in mission control kids. And space wasn't a big deal to them. It was a big deal to us, though. Well, in, uh, in the spring of 1968, it was a very interesting group of people. It was all men in the control center. We did not have one woman. We all wore skinny ties and short sleeve shirts. And uh, that was just the mode of the day. And uh, I look at those old pictures now, and it uh, looks pretty funny. My official name is Gerald Griffin, but I go by Jerry, and I uh, spent a career at, at NASA. I was in uh, Houston for Apollo 6. I lived about probably a half mile from the, from the control center, literally probably 300 yards from the uh, front gate. It had been a farming community, and it wasn't much more than that when we first got there in 64. The Saturn V was a huge rocket. It uh, was 360 feet tall. Uh, It was about uh, 33 feet in diameter, weighed uh, six and a half to seven million pounds. The engines, there were five of them, each produced a million and a half pounds of thrust. What we really wanted to learn in Apollo 6 was could that Saturn V lift off a command service module, which would ultimately go to the moon, and the lunar module, which ultimately would go to the moon, and hold together and all the structure be right and the engines push hard enough to get it to the velocities you need to make sure that the stack, as we called it, Uh, that was going to go to the moon on a lunar mission uh, was ready to go. So Apollo 6 was the final scheduled test. It turned out to be the final test of the Saturn V uh, before we put people on it and flew it. Very critical mission. The 
since this was the last unmanned flight of the Saturn V, we knew how important it was to get it and get it right and do it and or we were going to be held up. And, uh, and I remember the attitude of the day is that we've got to get this done. And guys, so everybody cross your fingers and say a prayer and, uh, and then hope the hardware holds together and works. T-minus five and counting. We're waiting now to cue ball cover. We've tracked at this point. The control room, we called it the MOCR, M-O-C-R, the Mission Operations Control Room. That room was actually pretty cozy. It wasn't that big, and so, uh, it, but it was just the tip of the iceberg. We probably had, I would bet you, upwards of 2,000 to 3,000 people, not all in Houston, but on the net, if you can think of it that way. And the the moker back to this little room was just the tip of the spear. Hello, Saturn launch control. Three minutes, 44 seconds, and counting. Our countdown still going well, aiming toward our planned liftoff at 7 a.m. We're now a matter of about 20. For Apollo 6, there was just one shift, but all of us that, about <laughs> everybody that, all the flight directors were there. Uh, the fellow that was actually sitting in the hot seat. Uh, as I recall, it was Cliff Charlesworth, and uh, but all of us were plugged into his console and sitting right beside him, and because uh, we didn't want to miss a, a minute of it. Three minutes, ten seconds, and counting. Three minutes, five seconds, and counting. We have firing command. The sequencer is in. During uh, a launch of a of a Saturn V rocket or any other rocket. Uh, the control center is very quiet. That's for good reason. One is you you don't want a lot of chatter in the room because you want everybody looking at their at their data. And the other thing is is that you don't want to talk because you're afraid you'll miss something. Thirty-five. T-minus thirty seconds and counting. Number one swing arm now being retracted from the Saturn V vehicle. Twenty-five seconds and counting. T-minus 20, still counting at this time. So we were very disciplined in the control center at all times. 12, 11, 10, 9. We have ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. We have commit. We have liftoff. Liftoff at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. From the beginning of the space program, we felt the public had a right to listen. And, um, and I've always said that the public were the taxpayers and they were kind of like the shareholders in the enterprise. And by golly, they, they deserved to hear. So we opened up everything. Warts and all. Started our vehicle going now to an azimuth heading of 72 degrees. All five F1 engines firing, uh, looking good. They're giving a green light at this time from range safety. 
Sister Engineer reports ignition on our second stage. Our first stage will be falling away shortly now. It's day's work done. Again, the greatest weightlifting effort ever. Mark, two minutes, 50 seconds, 40... Uh, that was our, our business. We were trained to stay calm. Uh, the people in the control center had a knack for what I'd call kind of swallowing panic. Don't let it happen. Stay calm. It was, it was the nature of the business. So one other thing that about the people in the Moker, which I think is, is important, most of the people that left the control center weren't fired or anything like that. They left because they just didn't like it. There was too much pressure. So the people you ended up with were people that enjoyed the pressure and the challenge and didn't mind being out on the end of the diving board by themselves with nobody else around and have to make a decision. It was, uh, it was part of the fun of it all. Roll program is completed now. Pitch profile still in progress. Uh, it was like the nation gave us the keys to the car and said, uh, go ahead and drive it. And they said, get to the moon and get back. And we were a bunch of young people that didn't know we couldn't. So we did. We just did it. Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. Police have issued an all-points bulletin for a well-dressed young white man seen running from the scene. Officers also reportedly chased and fired on a radio-equipped car containing two white men. Dr. King was... Reverend Martin Luther balcony. King, Jr. was shot to death by an assassin late today as he stood on a balcony in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. King had planned to leave. But I remember being exhausted when I got home and sitting and watching on television the events unfold. I ask every citizen to reject the blind violence that has struck Dr. King, who lived by nonviolence. The entire space program for Apollo, the Apollo era, was carried out in a very turbulent time in the country. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. We were swallowed up in the space business with trying to get to the moon, the country was going through all this turmoil. And I'm sure those of us in the space business missed a lot of the, of the agitation and the, the feeling of, of uh, unrest because we were on a mission that was directly in front of us and we were pushing to get it done. But I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. That view, that overview of seeing the earth as this little blue marble. Of the 20th century, and a wave 
that men in some strange way are responding. Something is happening in our world. All of those countries down there that are getting after each other uh, look like, you know, they would look like little bitty fleas or ants if, uh, if they could see them. The masses of people are rising up and wherever they are assembled today, whether they are in Johannesburg, South Africa. You know, it's just a little globe out here in the middle of this free space. Nairobi, Kenya, Accra, Ghana, New York City. A, we better take care of it. Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi. And B, we better uh, get along with each other. Our Memphis, Tennessee, the cry is always the same. We want to be free. From KUOW in Seattle, Washington, you've been listening to How's Your Day. Today's date was April 4th, 1968. How's Your Day is made by Arwen Nix and Shane Mailing. Whitney Henry Lester is our producer. Jim Gates is our editor. Our music was composed by Jen Champion. Special thanks to Jerry Griffin and Steve Martin at KPCC. Tell us a story we don't know from a day everyone remembers. Our email is howsyourday at kuow.org. Support for How's Your Day comes from KUOW listeners, like you, 